Hi there, I'm Logan Clements, and I'm one of your co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we are focusing on celebrating AAPI cultures in events. We have an amazing guest this week, Jolene Jang, who is an Asian inclusivity consultant, and she breaks down everything that you need to know about how we as event pros can create more inclusive spaces for folks in the AAPI, or as we learned in this episode, the AANHPI community. And we will dive into some very serious topics, such as the extensive hate that the AAPI community has been experiencing recently and historically. We talk about whitewashing when it comes to events, and we do give you some tangible tips about the do's and don'ts of how you can celebrate the AAPI culture at your next event. Now, I know as event pros, we always want to create more inclusive spaces where people feel authentically celebrated. And so this episode is so important. We encourage you to give it a listen, no matter what type of event you are planning. We also touch on name pronunciations, which is a very important topic for the AAPI community and the power that you have when you learn how to pronounce people's names the way they want to hear them. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Events Podcast for this week. We are so excited to have you with us as well as our guest. And today we are going to be talking about celebrating AAPI cultures in events. This is a super important topic. We are thrilled to hear from our guest. And so I'm going to pass it over to Logan to introduce our guest today. Yeah, before we do that, listeners, if you haven't watched our YouTube videos, Mary and I are actually in the same physical spot for this episode. And it's very fun. So I would encourage you to watch the video of this. Uh, we might do embarrassing things because we're seated, seating side by side Very versus possible. in our separate bubbles. But anyway, yes, today's episode, we're always so excited to have our guests, but this one is particularly exciting for us. Um, we are excited to have Jolene Jang with us, who has 25 years of experience as the corporate fund specialist, meeting maximizer, and was the president of the National Speakers Association of Washington State, and was a charter board member for Seattle International Live Events, working with Fortune 500 companies. Now her title is the Asian Inclusivity Consultant, teaching companies about Asian American culture to attract and retain Asian employees and customers. She founded two groups, Empowered Asians and Asian Allies to Improve the Daily Lives of Asians Living in America. And we couldn't be more excited to have you welcome Jolene. Is there anything you want to add to your bio? No, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, you know, I have a little bit more to me, but that's good. Yeah. Well, we'd love to kind of give a little bit of a preview before we jump into it about why we asked our guest. We always kind of chat a little bit about that. And one of our listeners, Jenny, introduced us to Jolene back in the spring, I believe. And we heard a few of Jolene's interviews through MPI and some other groups that we're a part of. And we knew that we needed to have her on the podcast. And glad you're here. Um, and we're just excited for you to share your experience as a member of the Asian American Pacific Islander community, um, which you'll hear us call and have already called AAP. I for short. And we can't wait for you listeners to hear how we can all be creating more inclusive spaces through events. And so thank you again for being here, Jolene. And I'll, um, 
I'll, let me just add to that AAPI. So as we, as people become more educated, et cetera, and people want to be more included, um, you will also hear AANHPI, Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander. And that is to be inclusive because a lot of times, and we're out here in Seattle, and so it's very East Asian. So it's, it's Chinese, more mostly Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Um, but there's native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders who don't feel included and the cultures are so very different. So we will also use AANHPI, um, tongue twister, but just a little bit yeah. of, um, to expand that. Yeah, no, thank you. I think that's all, again, we're all here to learn. And that is, that is very helpful to kick us off. Jillian, can you tell us more? What is an Asian inclusivity consultant? Good question. So before I was a fund specialist, meeting maximizer, now Asian inclusivity consultant. So the other entities that I've had for 25 years is really um, community building and fun and for business. So the Asian inclusivity consultant was out of um, necessity. So it is hard um, to see Asians be being hurt and discriminated and killed, murdered. I, I see about two murders weekly. Um, of Asians in America. And that is very scary to me. And so that is why I started this about two years ago, because um, Asians are not well represented um, really in anything. Uh, we are out there, but not necessarily acknowledged. And for companies, um, if you want your Asians to stay with a the company, uh, they need to feel like they belong and they need to feel safe. And so it really is helping companies um, create a place where the Asian employees can feel safe and you can attract also more clients um, because you're doing a great job with the employees that you have. And now did you come up with this title or is this something that you've seen um, kind of taking off across the, the no, nation no. and the world? Zero. No, um, it is even hard to find Asian American speaker. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's very out of when I was in the National Speakers Association, about 2,500 uh, professional speakers. There were seven of us, seven Asian Americans. Um, and so it is so rare to see people talking about Asian inclusion um, that it had to be very specific. There's a lot of DEI, but Asians, um, it's, it's hard to find. It is so necessary because we're not represented. That just rings true. And I hope like as listeners are just hearing that alone, that they can know like the importance of this episode, but also bringing those conversations and the circles that they're in as well. And so as, as these, um, the planners or producers, the event industry <laughs> folks that are tuning into this podcast, what should they be thinking about um, the AAPI community as they plan their events? So let me give you a little bit of baseline before that. So um, there are, it depends which, um, you know, what area you're at and what kind of population you have. There are Asians everywhere, um, but it's good to know, um, do you have a Hmong population in Wisconsin? Um, out here in, in Redmond, well, there's Indian, South Asians. And so it's important to know the demographics of who's going to be in your sphere. Um, but before we get to the events, I think, it's really important for people to know that being an Asian American right now is very scary. Um, and I mean, I keep a timeline of attacks. I know that sounds morbid, but people, because when Asians are murdered, um, I just saw that um, a delivery man who was 71, he was just ran over. It was a hit and run. That was yesterday. 
Um, and it's not a coincidence. These happen all the time. And so this is going to impact your employees and the people at your events because they may be concerned about transportation when they get to the event. Are people going to blame them for COVID? Are they going to say Kung flu or, hey, stop coughing? Um, so there's all these different expressions of hate that are happening. Um, even though um, if you're in the mainstream, you know, if you are white, if you are, uh, you won't, you probably, you don't know about this because our news doesn't cover it. You need to go to Asian American news because that's who is caring that Asians are being um, hurt and set on fire and robbed and, um, and acid thrown in our faces. And so as you plan the events, understand <clears throat> that Asians have a lot going on. I mean, other populations too, but there's a lot more below the surface and so if you're, for example, I don't walk alone. I live in the suburbs of Seattle. Um, I did five miles a day. I no longer uh, go beyond the borders of my house. Um, I don't do it because my dad got a death threat. My aunt was fall from my house to her house. Um, there were three people in my neighborhood who the car was driving into them. I mean, I've had a, a couple of incidents and I'm in a nice suburb. And so when, the, when you think about your employees, your Asian employees, there's a lot going on. And so, you know, at work, you would like to be safe. Um, so to, to think about that. Um, and the idea of Asian inclusivity consultant, um, this is a huge category, category of Asians in America. That's 48 countries, three territories, a bunch of languages, and also a bunch of religions. And so we're usually we're grouped in people of color, which is sometimes we are. Um, but even as an Asian category, it is very huge. So and I, I wanted to mention I'm Japanese, Chinese and Swedish. Um, and so um, another thing that I think is relevant is that when we think about slavery, people are like, oh, slavery was so long ago and World War II, you know, the incarceration of Japanese Americans so long ago. Um, and all these events, they're not that long ago. They're in our generation. So my mom on the Japanese side, right, she was impacted by this. And so when we think of these things that are oh, so long, they're not. Um, and so learning, being culturally competent and learning about other people's cultures is really important. Um, and one other thing is the miscegenation laws. Took me a while. Um, those are interracial laws. Um a lot of states had those and Alabama until 2000, you were not able to mm -hmm. marry somebody outside of your race. And so when you think about your events and your employees and you'll think, oh, we have to be so sensitive. I'm being canceled and, and all these things. These there's so much history that is still in our lives that people of color live with. So it's important to be more aware. And so for an event, let's say uh, bullet train is a new, um, is a new um, movie that's out with Brad Pitt. Yeah. So it's, it's set in Japan and um, you know, I like Brad Pitt. Um, but let's say you're going to have a theme. Well, it's, it was set in Japan and he, he's, he's they're whitewashing it. I mean, this is a Japanese story with a Japanese author and Japanese characters, but here's Brad Pitt. So that's called whitewashing, where they took the Japanese person's story away. Argo, also. So there was an Asian lady, and she was whitewashed. She was replaced with a white person. So let's say 
not, not that anybody's going to have a Lone Ranger party or something, but Lone Ranger, black. The Lone Ranger was black. And so if you're going to do these themes and, oh, it sounds fun. And with the mask, oh, super fun. Um, think about these and educate correctly. Top Gun. I just learned that the other day. The real Top Gun people were black. They're black Americans. So, um, you know, when you're thinking about themes, look into it a little bit more. I was concerned with Shang-Chi uh, last year. It was such a big deal. And I was scared. Okay, are people going to be doing these Shang-Chi parties and they're going to be doing their eyes slanted and, and all this? I was like, ooh, you know, so there's some sensitivity to, to learn about that. So I just I kind of want to put that out there to kind of framework some of the problems that could happen. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to say we'll put the bullet. I did just read Bullet Train and I would we'll put that in the show notes for people to actually read the book because it is phenomenal. Um, and I was equally surprised, Jillian, to learn that Brad Pitt was in the movie. I was like, this doesn't make sense at all. But I think you touched on a really important point. Um, and I do want to highlight both Mary and I are white. And I do feel like, uh, especially in America, we do do a lot of whitewashing, especially of AA. Was it NHPI? Mm -hmm. right? There you go. A -A -N NHPI communities. Yep. Um, and this is something I actually lived in China for a number of years in Shanghai. And that was, I said, I learned a lot about American culture by just not being in America and how much that we do lump people mm -hmm. together. And I think it's hard as event planners and hosts and producers, because often events are created to celebrate and uplift. And so when you talk mm -hmm. about all these challenges yep. for the A -A NHPI community, um, I think it hurts I would hope most planners would be hurt to know that if they're not doing it correctly. So thinking about that and yep. being aware of the whitewashing, can you share some examples of when players or planners have been doing this wrong? Like where maybe their intention was right, but then they lost track of that um, in the execution. Here's one just really so annoying. Uh, Lunar New Year. Uh, so Lunar New Year, there's like 10 cultures that celebrate Lunar New Year. Um, but Chinese New Year, let's say Chinese Lunar New Year, a lot of people for, um, well, celebrate that again, like Chinese food line dance. Um, same for Asian, Asian Heritage uh, Month. It's like, oh, we'll have Chinese food. We'll have Panda Express, <laughs> right? That's not really Chinese food. And, <laughs> and let's get a line dance. So when you are, and I know the intention is good, um, like, hey, but what happens is you have this Chinese food, it may be terrible. Um, and then you have the lion dance. Why do we have a lion dance? Which culture does this belong to? Um, when, what's the history of it? Um, how is it relevant to Chinese people living in America? How is it relevant to your employees? And why should we care as, let's say, white Americans? So it's, it's, it's such a shame to... Okay, you're making the effort. The intention is good, but really it ends up being some free Chinese food takeout that's not authentic. And then also you have this flash of firecrackers. Oh, yeah, it was really cool. Kind of like, yeah, these foreigners were doing this weird thing. And, and, and there's nothing, there's no application to it. And I go as a, you know, one of my brands is a culture explorer. And so I go, I've gone to about 25 cultural events on the weekends for my sanity. And so many um, cultural events, they have these performance pieces, but they don't do a great job of sharing what is it, why is it here, and how is it relevant to people now? And for example, um, at a Japanese festival, which is a fantastic festival, 
However, one one performer, they had this really screechy um, music. I don't know, it was sort of violin, just horrible. And it was very slow. And so we're watching this going, oh my gosh, this is horrible. It's hurting my no my my ears. And she's moving so slowly. And how it's relevant. And she looks like such a foreigner. And I think as a planner, if you pick out like the most foreign looking weird things say and don't explain it i think that it is uh, it is more othering than good i think it is saying oh you are such a foreigner and it's ugly and boring and so hey not only are you different but it's ugly and boring and whatever and so as you are thinking about the different events and entertainers and themes make sure to have that particular population as part of the community um, who's planning it. So, um, and, and also let's say if you're doing some sort of Asian theme, be you get, just Asian theme is really weird um, because there's 48 countries. So be thinking about that and try and educate your, try and educate correctly. For example, another um, problem that I've seen is when you have a dinner, you're making it Asian theme, like and then so there's, um, you know, there's Korean kimchi and there's miso soup and there is some egg rolls and then you have some banh mi. So you have all these different cultures, cultural food. And so you're the participants don't even know, oh, it's good. It's some Asian stuff and you're not educating them. And, and they'll be miseducated and thinking that teriyaki is goes with kimchi or something. I mean, it's just and and so as as an Asian, uh, yeah, it's wow. Yeah, this is really offensive, you know, or if they're trying to do um, a Japanese meal and then they do it wrong, like that's like, come on, give some respect to the culture. Um, so there's it really is making sure that you do some research and have a couple of people of that. Um, if you're doing a Japanese theme, have some Japanese Americans or have a consultant like myself to say, hey, mm, well, I'll tell you what, some people think of it this way. Some people think of it that way. So you might want to go this way. Um, so those are a couple of, mm, yeah. Yeah. Real messes. <laughs> yeah. What do, what do you see? I mean, what do you see out there? I, I'm in the middle of helping with an event and one of my clients is they really want to have a diverse set of entertainers, like like musicians, different type of musicians. And as we were talking through it, it's still kind of in the process, but I found it interesting because they're like, we should have this, we should have this, we should have this. And it was like a lot of, just a lot. And I don't know if they really understood like the, the intention, nor do I fully about what they were asking for. But because Jolene, we had a conversation with you in preparation for this podcast. I was thinking like, you know, we really need to get like the right voices to help us figure out if this is a good representation. And not only that, it does seem like we're just we're just picking because we're trying to trying to represent a diverse set of, of musicians. But in reality, like there should be a moment where we can explain why this is important or while yeah. someone can explain it. And I think that just creates way more of an elevated event experience because you're educating people yeah. in addition to them better enjoying what, what you're trying to, to show. And so yeah. that's what I've seen recently. And it was very timely for our conversation. <laughs> well, I, 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 so an MC is important, but a, a, an educated MC and a person really the group who is coming in should say what it is that it, they're about and I, I don't know that, let's say for the Asian different groups, I don't know if they do a great job illustrating that. 
um, mm-hmm. when I am C, you know, what's the relevance of this and why, let's say the lion dancers, why do you do this? Well, you know, talking to the kids or the teenagers keep in shape, but also I feel like I'm part of a group because I'm in this white community. I live in, um, Winville and, um, you know, I've met other Chinese kids and I, they don't tease me and I feel safe with them. And so talking about what is the impact on the people, what's behind the lion outfits. And I mean, I mean, it, it is pretty exciting like their training and what it is and the discipline and going behind the scenes you can see line dancers all the time or taiko drumming but what's the relevance because i think it's really the excitement is is behind the scenes and to actually talk to real people and to when they're just performing they're eye candy and they are other but when you can have um, people from the group talk and go behind the scenes and have a conversation and hey well what's one thing you like them to know about the lion dance or, or whatever it is uh, because yeah. it's really bringing you, you got to relate to the audience otherwise i just saw a show with some foreigners and that mm-hmm. that's that's not great Yeah, I think there's a lot there for listeners to take away in terms of understanding the intention behind it, working with folks like yourself, and then making sure they're providing that context Mm -hmm. for everyone versus I think, I feel like what I've seen, um, it usually is indicative that organizers just didn't take the time and just thought they checked the box, they did something. And like you're saying, they're not thinking about the larger impact or ramifications um, that is sometimes counter to what their probably intention was. Um, but at the same time, you know, then they, they then they miss the mark um, with entertainers. Or yeah. Like and that. let me also interrupt on that. I was just thinking of all these different events. Um, so I was just at a um, African. I was just at an African event, but I was just at an African American event as well. And they had rappers and they had the white guy like lead off. And I'm like, really? In Seattle, there were no black rappers. This is an African mm-hmm. African-American event and the white guy is centered. And again, there was another white rapper um, from a church group or something. And he had a few people of that were people of color, but it's like, this is an African-American event. So let's center the black people here. And this um, in the Asian community, um, which is so, so inclusive. um, So they are likely going to center the white person who's doing the dance or the taiko drumming um, because they're just super polite. Um, go against that. If this is a Hmong event, have it Hmong centered. It can be inclusive. You can have other people who are not Hmong, um, you know, second row. Uh, but I think all this, when you have it white centered, it's like, oh, well, the white person is, is the person who's in charge or they're the best person. See, whites are greater than the rest. And so that is also very annoying. One thing that we kind of wanted to touch on in this yeah. um, is something that also, you know, you, we briefly mentioned MCs and things like that. So this is super, I think, might apply to them. But um, speaking of name pronunciations, so in in general, but also I'm thinking in events and programs and yeah. things like that, who needs to learn about name pronunciations, especially with the AAPI communities? Yeah, I, I think MCs, anybody who's going to be on the stage should really get that together and understand how to pronounce the name. And let's say, let's say the Asian's like, Oh, you can call me Steve. Don't worry about it. You can say, Oh, you know, I'd like to call you what you'd like to be called. Um, can, and you know, what is that? And they can choose. Yeah, no, just Steve. Or they can say Chung Su. 
Um, and, and so what I see constantly and definitely in the corporate world and particularly recruiters and teachers is that they mispronounce names and then they rename somebody. Can I call you Beth instead? I'm never going to remember that. Oh, that's such a weird name. I don't know how to say that. And so they have all these excuses of why they cannot respect the person. So I'm working on a name pronunciation guide um, where it's videos, short videos of why it's important to respect people and their names. Because I recently had a meeting um, talking to some folks where when their Asian names were called, they felt like it was home. They felt like they belong because it's so rare that anybody says their name correctly. And it is very um, sad, but it is also what a gift if you can go through the effort to pronounce their name. Um, and Google Translate does okay for some things, but also talking to a person of that culture. First of all, you know, ask the person, but you can do your research. Um, and also just make sure to say their name again. Is this how you say it? I'd like to say it correctly. And you can record it. Um, I'll also, there's, um, you can put little like, um, let's see, what is her name? I think it was like, mm, anyways, drawing a little graphic of like um, the chicken and the whatever, like that represents their name. Mm -hmm. um, so there's different ways to remember. But the most important is to understand respect starts from your name. And most people don't bother and they are embarrassed for themselves that that prevents them from honoring the person they're trying to honor. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that was one that I know it's so important when you can get somebody's name right. And in events, there's so many touch points with people that I think, yeah. you know, bare minimum, the, the, the MC or whoever's introducing the person needs to get it right. But if you can have that attention to detail and have the people that are helping them check in and the person who's walking, you know, talking to them backstage and all throughout um, getting that name right. I know we do, Mary and I both in our events do something that we call a Facebook or a lookbook, but like essentially pictures of um, speakers or, or folks that people are interacting with and their names. And that is one of my favorite exercises is to, um, now on like YouTube, a lot of people do interviews and things where you can hear them say their own name if you just take the time and then you can spell it out phonetically. But just because you can see that, a lot of people, you can see the relief on their face when you get it right. Um, especially a name, again, talking about the whitewashing of America, anything that's not like a standard white name, you're going to get that person, you know, those people who sometimes sit there and go, oh, this is complicated. Like you said, I, I mean, it hurts my heart to hear that of, um, you know, people just picking or trying to assign a name to someone since it is so validating when someone gets it right. Um, so I hope I, that encourages planners to really think through that process because it really is meaningful. Um, but what would your advice be for, you gave a couple tips, but, um, of how to work through names that you might not be familiar with. So it depends if you meet them spontaneously or not. If it's ahead of time, then there's different, different ways to look it up and ask around. Um, and on LinkedIn, maybe they have, they're using the audio piece. And with, with LinkedIn, you could also say, can you say your name? I wanted to have it, you know, with, with the audio notes. Um, if it's spontaneous, then it really is, you know, I really want to get your name right. Would you mind saying that again? Um, and do you have a card, you know, so you have their business card and just saying, oh, I'd really like to get that. I didn't quite get that. And so um, how to show that you do care. 
Um, but there is also a line that you don't want to cross too far. If there's a group of five people and you're stuck on their name for five minutes and you, they're feeling smaller and smaller because they feel so awkward about it. And I'm reading the book cast. You probably know um, talking about the caste system in India and how it um, parlays to the United States where black people are on the bottom and learn actually learning a little bit more about Southeast Asians. And so there's a movie on Netflix that's really cute. And, and that cast, the caste system is still alive. I don't know a lot about it, but I did watch um, uh, a session with Desi people talking to each other about names, and it was very sensitive. And then when I was at Home Depot, uh, her name was AJ or something. I was like, oh, AJ, what's that stand for? And she was like, oh, I'm not, I'd rather not tell you. And it's just like, oh, oh, oh. And so now as I think about names, I'm thinking, oh, the caste system maybe is still, they may be like triggered, like, oh, they're going to know my caste by asking my name and starting asking where I'm from, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that there's, that was my discovery yesterday about the names. So th there's a lot that goes into it. So be mindful, do your best, make the effort. Um, getting somebody's name right is not that hard. Um, I actually, I w when I was in um, South Africa, um, I can't remember, was it Swahili? It was a with the clicking. Um, so I practiced for like a couple of months and I hadn't recorded and made a video so I could practice, practice, practice. I got it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, and the names, you know, Asian names are not that hard. There's no clicking or anything. So just make yeah. the effort. I think, What's what people miss out is it's enjoyable. It is so exciting to learn about other cultures um, once they get over the awkwardness um, and awkwardness. I mean, I think it's kind of exhilarating to feel awkward. I feel awkward all the time. Yeah. Well, and it's an opportunity to learn. I feel like we talk about this on the podcast and that's one of the reasons I know I like events a lot so much is there is so many opportunities to learn. And um, I've gotten to travel to different countries and meet people from all different cultures because of events. And that is something that, um, I just, we don't focus on it enough here in America. So I'm very happy that you're making a course to help people with pronunciation because I do feel like that's something that we fall back on here in the States in ways that folks I've met from Europe or, you know, ha have had a little more of that international experience don't seem to have as much of a trepidation about yeah. trying to get people's names right. I know we're um, running up on time here. We could keep talking to you forever, Jillian, because there's so much more we can dig into. But was there, before we, we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to add for our listeners to know? Yeah, I, I just want to urge and invite your listeners to understand that in 2045, that the census predicts that it'll be a majority um, people of color. And so it is, it is coming. And so to be inclusive, it's more fun. It's way more interesting. Um, you know, as we get older, it's like, oh, let's get some new, new, let me learn something. I mean, learning, learning that the Lone Ranger and Top Gun are black, you know, what else has been whitewashed? And um, so there's a lot of things. And um, with Asians in particular, so Asians make the highest incomes. And so as you're looking about your bottom line, well, Asians make the highest. They also make the lowest um, and have the highest level of education. It's the fastest growing population. They have the fastest growing buying power. So with um, over 6% um, Asian Americans, um, American population, uh, they have $1.2 trillion. So black is 12%. 18 is 13%, but it's almost the same. And so when you're thinking about your events and your clients, well, the Asian market, you know, be inclusive. We want you to be inclusive, do the right thing, be nice, but also there's money for you. Um, and um, I don't know if you know this, if you've seen 
my program, but like who, who owns all the, um, how, what percentage owns hotels and motels in the United States? Any guesses? I have no idea. Asian Americans own 60% of motels and hotels in America. Wow. And in Texas, any guesses? Can I say, I feel like it's higher. I'm going to go higher. I was going to say lower. You're going to say lower? <laughs> I would say higher than that. I'd say like 78%. Tell us. I would have guessed my guess was like 10% for Texas. It's 80%. Wow. So, <laughs> so as you think about, so, and then how this ties in is like, when you think about 2019, um, Asians, um, Asians from Asia came over. They spent, there were 12.25 million visitors in 2019 from Asia. So where do they want to stay? Where do they want to stay? Where they're going to feel safe. Yeah. Um, and in New York and San Francisco, um, where we see all the news of Asians being murdered, um, those not safe. They're going to want to stay at an Asian hotel. So, you know, there are many reasons to be inclusive, but money and businesses will help people who are not that interested in them being curious. Um, and I also like to share with that I have two groups, Empowered Asians. So this is a group to help Asians who want to speak up and say something because it's not in our culture, you know, particularly East Asians to be very polite, not complain. Um, and so if you ask an Asian, how's it going? They'll say, fine, great. They're not going to tell you. Um, if they're a best friend, they may or may not. Um, and so that doesn't mean everything is all good for them. And even, um, you know, let's say the, the folks at, at Microsoft, even though they're making a bunch of money, looks like they're living the good life, they're still, they still experience bamboo ceiling and um, discrimination. So there's a lot of things going on. And once they leave the campus, um, they're, they're vulnerable also. Um, so I have empowered Asians to help Asians speak up and a, a safe place for us to talk and then Asian allies. So this is a place uh, where other people, mostly white can get in there and make a difference. And so we are working on, um, name pronunciation guide and book resources, uh, for school, but also others, because when you look at BIPOC book resources, well, they're all black. So there are there, which is important. And I've read a lot of them. That's so important. Um, the Asian population is different. We experience way different things, similar, but how you treat it is very different as well. Um, and we we're working on responses to racist rubbish. It's a reference sheet. So when people say, why has it got to be about race? You're too sensitive. What do you mean? I don't see any problems out here. It's all good. You're imagining and they gaslight you. What do you say to that? How do you invite people in and have them do the work of thinking about it? Um, so uh, we're working on a number of things in Asian allies and um, both groups are open to people. It's just a place to be respectful and trying to make a difference um, to, to reduce actually the deaths of Asians. So uh, that sounds terrible and it, and it's true. So good place well, to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a bad place to end because it's, it's the reality and we can have folks learn more. And so we'll link, like we said, everything in the show notes um, in regards to where they can learn more about some of those resources that you mentioned, point them in the right direction for that. But we do want to end end with some quick little sentence finishers that we love to do with our guests, if that's okay. Um, the first one is if, so just you can fill in the blank. If you had more hours in the day, you would... Build more stuff in my yard. I'd be, I'd be outside. I'd be building stuff because here's, here's a way to be um, instant gratification. Doing advocacy, advocacy work is difficult. Like, am I making a difference? Who knows? But building stuff. Oh, look at that. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, your favorite productivity tool is? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I guess I'm going to go with old school with one note. I just watched some videos the other day of mm. doing the different tags. And, and so I, I'm a big Microsoft fan. I know that's super old, but yeah, pleased with it. I love OneNote as well. So I'm with you. And then our last sentence finisher for you is something that you're looking forward to this year, whether business or personal is? You know, I, I would say that's a great question. I wish I had more to look forward to. Um, I know that also sounds sad, but it, it is a reality. Um, I look forward to the day that I can walk outside my house unattended and not be concerned that somebody's going to run me over. Well, well, hopefully we're getting there step by step and uh, we appreciate you doing the work, Jolene. Hopefully our listeners feel, um, you know, they've learned a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm. Where can listeners find you if they want to learn more? Uh, Jolene Jang. Jolene like the song, J-O-L-E-N-E, Jang. Uh, and that's on Instagram and YouTube, Asian Allies. And on my website, JoleneJang.com, I do have a lot of modules that are free to learn. What is Stop Asian Hate? What is White Fragility? What is Whitewashing, Yellow Face? And all these things. So there's a lot of information. Um, they can self-learn and they can join in. Um, and, and again, it's really fun to do the learning and to know that you're making a difference in other people's lives. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jolene. This has been an amazing episode and uh, we wish we could keep talking longer, but we'll, maybe we'll have to have you back on another episode. Yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> thank much. you. Thanks for what you yeah. do. Yeah. And I think that brings us to our bonus tip, which Mary, you have that this week. For our bonus tip today, I would like to encourage you to reach out to some local organizations, associations, maybe they are unofficial, but that are for event planners. So for example, I have one locally that is kind of in the Seattle area and it's a Facebook group and anyone can join if they're involved in the event industry. And it's a great place to ask for local resources, recommendations, vendors, all that. And it's super, super helpful when trying to plan events. And so see if you have something like that in your local area. If not, there are some larger ones. For example, the Delegate Wranglers, there's one that's based in the UK, one that's based in the US, and those are Facebook groups as well. So just take a look and see if there's something that might help you through your planning process. Yeah. And so that brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Events Pod or Facebook or Twitter. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you for listening and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. Bye, folks. <music>